the sovereign God, he doesn't owe you and he doesn't owe me any information. He actually doesn't owe us anything at all. But his character is a character of generosity. He has been abundantly generous in what he has made known to us of himself. Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us today as we continue to look at the characteristics and the attributes of God today. We look at his generosity. And Jonathan, as you point out, God really doesn't owe us a thing. Um, but I think very often in our human thinking, in, in our mindset, we think God does owe us something. Uh, how do we begin to get that proper perspective? Well, again, I think the Bible teaches us about what we are really like. And if we'll listen to the Scripture's teaching, particularly on the reality of sin and guilt before God, I think it it sort of brings us down to size, as it were, and makes us recognize that before God, we are those who, who come with nothing, nothing in my hand I bring, as the old uh, song puts it. And knowing that, we then recognize that God has been incredibly generous to us in offering us a welcome, forgiveness, cleansing, new life in Christ. The gospel is all generosity. And that that does challenge our thinking about ourselves, because I think we can naturally come to God in our sinfulness thinking, well, you know, what kind of a deal is he going to offer me? And maybe another religion will offer me a better deal, but, you know, I'll, I'll shop the market. But the Bible says, says no, we, we come with empty hands, but the generous God is willing to give us all things in Christ, which is nothing short of incredible. It truly is, and that is what we're going to be looking at in our broadcast today. So hope you'll stay with us as we begin this message, The Generous God. Here is Jonathan. No one likes a stingy person. Charles Dickens's Ebenezer Scrooge is widely loathed in his miserliness because he encapsulates, at least before his wonderful reawakening, if you know the story, he encapsulates something that all of us dislike and something from which we all recoil, a miserly spirit. One of the things I think we we try and feel out in a new relationship, maybe a a romantic relationship, a, a friendship, an employment relationship, a neighborly relationship within the community, one of the things we always want to discern is whether we are entering into a relationship with someone who is generous or stingy. What's going to be the salary offer? Am I always going to end up with the bill in the restaurant? When it comes to fixing the shared fence or the driveway, is it going to end up being a fight over the cost? And sometimes we will find ourselves preoccupied with the fear that we are going to be treated in an ungenerous, stingy manner. That The salary review, that's going to be painful. Uh, Sorting out the bill at the end of the meal is going to be awkward. Paying the contractor for the work, that's going to be a nightmare. And with that fear in the back of our mind, we maybe hold back from the relationship. We're we're more guarded, less trusting, more fearful. Whether you are today an established believer or one who is just considering the faith, one issue that you need to work through is this. Can you trust the God of heaven to be generous with you? Or do you expect him to be stingy? As an unbeliever, I think that's actually an important question. If you would consider entrusting your eternity to this God. 
And for the believer, for the Christian, I think this is something as well that we need to be clear about and something that perhaps we should revisit from time to time. I think that's the case because I sense that we often operate under the fear or the suspicion that God has less good, less bounty, less blessing in store for us than we might hope to have ourselves. We come to these questions just a little bit apprehensively because we all know the experience, I guess, at some point in our lives of being treated less than generously. And maybe for some, maybe for some listening today, you have been a little bit bruised by that experience. But today, this morning, I really want to convince us, as I believe the scriptures convince us, that our God is fundamentally, in his character, a God of generosity. His inclination is not in the direction of miserliness, but in the direction of bounty. That's an outworking both of his goodness and his love. And we see evidence of this aspect of God's goodness throughout the Bible. And seeing it together in the scriptures today, I hope that each one of us will be convinced of it. I I hope that we will learn to trust God and trust him all the more in his generosity. And then as a result of those things, enjoy God all the more and delight in him all the more as we see his abundant goodness, his lavish generosity. That is very simply where we're going today. That is our happy theme. That is our joyful focus. I'd love to consider God's generosity in some key areas together. I'd love to consider his generosity in creation, in revelation, and in redemption. That's where we're headed. We begin with God's abundant generosity in creation. I don't know if you've been to a zoo or an aquarium recently. Some months ago, we went to the big aquarium in Toronto. It's relatively new, new since my childhood anyway. And I think it's actually very impressive. The the tanks are huge and you have the opportunity to walk not only beside, but beneath these tanks at various points, giving you the most immersive experience possible, short of actually getting wet at the aquarium. But it's astounding as you walk through that great aquarium to see the sheer variety of creatures that God has made in this world. You see their diversity and their beauty, the whimsy sometimes of their design. I I remember some years ago visiting the beautiful island of Bermuda and standing on a little pier and throwing in small pieces of bread to the clear water, the crystal clear turquoise water, and seeing dozens, maybe hundreds of fish of the most extraordinary color and shape appear out of nowhere. It was this remarkable, this beautiful sight. I think it's very telling that despite our great scientific knowledge and our ability, we can't even begin to quantify and catalog all the species of life on this planet. A recent study has suggested that the earth may contain as many as one trillion species of life with only one thousandth of one percent of them identified at the present time. Just yesterday, an ocean explorer completed a historic dive to the Pacific Ocean's Mariana Trench, nearly 11 kilometers deep, one of the very deepest places on Earth. You know, we know so little about life at those depths, but even there, we know there is new, undiscovered life to be found, more of God's extraordinary creative work. 
the bounty and the variety of God's creation is so immense that we can't begin to observe all of it. We can't begin to wrap our heads around what he has made. We get a sense of the bounty of God's creative work right back in Genesis 1, and you might like to turn to this. The creator God begins with the plants and the vegetation, and it's clear right from the start that he is aiming for variety and richness. Genesis 1 and verse 11. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then soon came the creatures in all their wonderful variety, down to verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. When God made the world, he didn't fill it with the minimum of biological life, the bare minimum, a skeleton crew, as it were. He didn't put just, just enough plants and animals in the world to make it functional. No, he filled the earth with bounty and richness and wonder. And the bounty of creation, it's designed to meet our needs and the needs of the animals too. Verse 29 and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food right from the start of creation. God made it clear that his design for the world was a world of fullness and variety and right from the start, he showed us his character of generosity through what he had made. In Psalm 19, David declares that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. We look at the creation and we see something of the character of the maker, the glory of the creator. When I was a university student in England, one place I enjoyed visiting was a rather eccentric museum in Oxford called the Pitt Rivers Museum. The museum was named for an English explorer and archaeologist of the 19th century named Augustus Pitt Rivers, who donated his vast collection of artifacts taken from around the world, donated this vast collection to the university for the establishment of this rather unusual collection. And I remember going through that museum as a student and looking at all the rather strange artifacts that this man had collected through his travels, walking through this very whimsical Victorian building that had been built to, to house them, and feeling through that experience that I somehow got to know the man himself by means of this place that he had created. 
Those who have visited the country retreat of William Lyon Mackenzie King, Canada's wartime prime minister, they'll know the experience, you'll know it if you've been there, of gaining insight to the man himself by seeing the place that he had built in the wilds of Quebec, touring his little estate and seeing his cottage and viewing his trinkets and his furnishings. Though by doing that, we feel that we come to know the man in some, some measure as we walk through this world and see its beauty and variety and color as we eat the wonderful variety of foods that God has created, as we look at the flowers in bloom and the sea teeming with fish, as we experience the world in its splendor, we come to know something of the Creator and we recognize the sheer generosity of His hand. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called The Generous God. And we're going to pause the message right here, but stay with us. We'll get back to it in just a moment. Hey, if you ever join us late or you have to leave early, you don't get to finish the program while we're live on the radio, you don't have to miss Jonathan's teaching. It's really easy to catch what you missed by coming to our website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org, and there you can stream the program through your computer or a mobile device. You can also download an MP3 for free. So just come to the website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, if you did join us a little late, we are taking a look at the generosity of our God. Let's get back to the message. Again, here is Jonathan. As we walk through this world and see its beauty and variety and color, as we eat the wonderful variety of foods that God has created, as we look at the flowers in bloom and the sea teeming with fish, as we experience the world in its splendor, we come to know something of the Creator and we recognize the sheer generosity of His hand. That's God's abundant generosity in creation. And next comes his abundant generosity in revelation. This is a brief point. But in my reading of this theme of the generosity of God, I, I was struck by this idea and by this observation that God has just been so generous to us in what he has revealed to us, what he has made known to us. Maybe you've had the experience of being a junior employee at a company or an organization. You've started at the bottom of the ladder. But, you know, a senior member of staff, maybe even the president, maybe the boss, he's taken an interest in you. You know, the boss could just hand down instructions, you know, make my coffee, deliver uh, this package, photocopy uh, this paper, call this customer. But actually, this boss has slowed down. Uh, this boss has explained to you how the business works, why it functions, how it does, how you can flourish in this field, how you can maybe build your career. They don't need to tell you those things, but really as an act of kindness, out of a generosity of heart, they've done more than they needed to do. They, they've told you more. They've given you insight that they weren't required to give you, but insight that helps you, insight that edifies you, and you see behind that help a generosity of spirit. The sovereign God, he doesn't owe you and he doesn't owe me any information. He, he doesn't owe us any explanation. He actually doesn't owe us 
anything at all. But his character is a character of generosity. And actually, he has been abundantly generous in what he has made known to us of himself. We've already noticed together David's words in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare God's glory. Paul picks up that very same idea that God is revealed. He's made known a great deal about himself in the creation. And he talks about this in Romans chapter 1. Now, in this chapter, Paul's focus is actually on the fact that no one can be excused for not worshiping God because God has given so much testimony about himself in the world that he's made. Romans 1 and verse 19, Paul writes this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, human beings in this world, because he has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. You know, this idea that we might not owe God worship because he's hidden and we don't have compelling evidence of his existence or his nature. That idea simply doesn't add up. It doesn't hold water. We look at the beauty and the complexity and the sheer wonder of this world and of the creatures that God has made, not least us human beings, and we have to admit that God has made himself amply known through the natural world. But you know, God has gone well beyond the revelation given to us in nature, that general revelation, and he has been gracious enough to speak to us in a special way. Generally, the more important and the more powerful a person is, the more of a challenge it is to get direct communication from them, to elicit a message from them. If, if you write to the prime minister or, or a president of a nation, you wouldn't normally expect a personal reply. If you have a problem with your new car and you write to the CEO of Toyota, you probably won't get a handwritten note by return of post you have a bad experience on a flight and you write to the boss at Air Canada, don't expect a personal phone call. But you know, the creator God of the universe has gone out of his way to speak to us. He has spoken to us again and again over hundreds and even thousands of years through his prophets to give us the Bible that we have before us. This book is so rich in his self-revelation, his self-disclosure, that there's no way that in a single lifetime we can plumb the depths of its riches. Saints who love the scriptures and have spent a lifetime reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures will tell you that every time they open the Bible, there is more to learn, more to discover, more to ponder, more to enjoy. You know, if you spent a career as a scholar of Shakespeare or Dickens, you would, I think, reach a point where you felt there was not that much more to see in the collected works of that particular author. But no Bible scholar of any integrity would ever make that kind of a claim about the scriptures. And the fact of the matter is that God has been generous, immensely generous in what he has said to us in his word. He has given us such detail about his plans and about his requirements. He has given us such insight into his nature. He has laid out for us 
the way of salvation. He has told us of things yet to come. Added to all that and beyond all that, God has made himself known to us personally through his son. In an act of astounding generosity and astounding grace, the son of God himself has come down into this world to make himself known and ultimately, of course, to bring redemption. And in Christ and through the scriptures, we have an abundance of knowledge of God himself. In John chapter 15 and verse 15, Jesus says this to his followers. He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, Peter tells us that in the gospel, we are given knowledge of things so wonderful that even the angels long to look into them. He says this, It was revealed to them, to the prophets of old, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels Long to look. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul marvels at the fact that God has lavished upon us the riches of his grace in all wisdom and insight, writes Paul, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ. God has been so generous to us in the way in which he has revealed himself to us, in the way in which he has spoken to us, in the way in which he has made known to us his purposes and his plans. As the hymn puts it, familiar to many, how firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. What more can he say than to you he has said? He has been so generous to us. And it is to us to listen to his word, to study his word, to meditate upon his word, to rejoice in his word, and to respond to his word. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth and a message called The Generous God. Now we have to pause here, but we'll continue next time. If you ever miss a broadcast, come and listen online. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. That's at EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported broadcast. It is your generosity that keeps this teaching on this station. So thank you for giving to and supporting this ministry. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book that you've picked out, Jonathan. It is called Worthy, Living in Light of the Gospel. And i, I got to ask, what does that mean to live in light of the gospel? Well, you know, the, the way in which we live, our behavior, our lifestyle, it doesn't save us. The gospel tells us that we couldn't save ourselves 
and Jesus gave his life for our salvation, that we could be forgiven and restored to relationship with God. But what we need to understand is that having been saved through the gospel, there is a way to live in light of the gospel. The gospel will change our behavior and our lifestyle and and the way in which we approach decision-making and the nature of our interactions with others. And this book is a call to live in light of the gospel, to allow the gospel to have its impact in our day-to-day lives. And I think we need that help. We need that encouragement. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you as you read it. Well, we want to send you a copy of this book. Worthy is our way of saying thank you for supporting the ministry this month. Give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or over the phone when you call 833-998-7884. That's 833-99-TRUTH. Or again, the website is EncounterTheTruth.org. You can also write us at Encounter the Truth, 2176 Prince of Wales Drive, Ottawa, Ontario, 2KE0A1. Or in the U.S. at Encounter the Truth, 215 North Arlington Heights Road, number 102. Arlington Heights, Illinois, 60004. For Jonathan Griffiths and our producer, Mark Bretta, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.